You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of smoking audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What's up? I'm Baratunde Thurston, and welcome to We're Having a Moment, a limited podcast series where I try to make sense of this defining moment around race and policing in the United States. If you have thoughts to share about these episodes or just want to say what's up, hit me on my community text number 202-894-8844. Just send a text with the word WHAM, W-H-A-M, in the body. I'd also encourage you to sign up for my weekly emails, they're dope. They're like the best emails you could ever get. You can find them at baratunde.com or on any of my social outlets, my reluctant social outlets, uh, at Baratunde is the name. This is episode six, What Happens Next? So I'm going to tell you the story of this podcast, from how it came to be to what we've been trying to accomplish to how I think we did and what comes next. Because this is the last episode of this podcast. And I know you're thinking, no, what am I going to do? Who am I going to listen to? And there are other voices. You could also just play this one over again or fill in the blanks on the episodes that you missed. But way back in June of 2020, which feels like 3.6 Americas ago, I got a text from an iHeart podcast exec asking if I wanted to do a short run podcast series, a series of essays, he called it, with my perspective on all this stuff that's going on in the country with the pandemic and the policing and something else that begins with the word P. Um, and so I interpreted this uh, as you've just asked me to write the Federalist Papers, haven't you? And uh, he was like, no, nah, no, nah, maybe narrow the scope a little bit, maybe not rebuilding like a whole nation, but at least explaining what's going on in this nation right now. And that's how this began. We started it with that intention and it was always supposed to be 
limited. And for me, it was this idea that there is something magical and hopefully different and certainly intense happening right now. How do we capture it? How do we make sense of it? How do we explain the parts that maybe people want to understand, but they don't quite get? Could I do that? And so instead of a series of essays, we got way more interactive and hopefully interesting with it because I'd already been making this show called Live on Lockdown. And we used that as a foundation. And then I was like, wait, I know these activists and there's these people who are referenced in the news. Why don't we talk to them? Uh, And so we had this five beat story that we proposed and rolled out me and the producers of this show to try to explain to you and to myself, honestly, in some, some moments, what's going on and why does it matter? So I want to look back at those episodes in quick review. They are meant to be consumed in totality. You got to binge this. This is not just me trying to get more ratings and reviews, but if you feel so moved, please do. But more it's to make sure that these key pillars that we felt were so important are fully addressed. Episode one, we called it, it took a pandemic. Because it took a pandemic. Like we've had police misconduct, which is a very kind way to reference some of the behavior we've all been seeing on our screens these past few weeks and months. We've had these incidents before. What we haven't had before is COVID-19. And, and as I think about the civil rights movement, as I remember John Lewis, who we so recently lost, I think it wasn't in a vacuum, that movement. They also had a Vietnam War. There's some other pressure point on a society to get many of us to wake up, to open our eyes, to get activated. And COVID-19 was there. Remember the coronavirus, as I said before, it remembers you, it remembers all of us. And so there was something important to me about setting the stage for this before we get into the Derek Chauvin of it all. The precondition here was the pandemic. And underneath of that, we had a longer standing racial pandemic. So Pandemics matter. It turns out. It turns out. It matters how your government responds. Um, and that can give us all an opportunity to pause and pay more attention than we might have. So that felt really important to give an episode to the pandemic. Episode two, No Right Way to Protest, was for me born out of the pandemic because I just felt something was wrong about who's allowed to fight for their rights. Uh, and if it's the right to party, then you've got way more rights. You know, if it's showing up with an AR-15 at a state house and intimidating law enforcement, you get to go about your merry way. But if it is in response to, in opposition to, in moral indignation at that government using its authority to kill you, well, you got to behave yourself. And so the hypocrisy of who gets to do what was weighing on me heavily. And I chose in this one, this was the first show with a guest that was chosen for this. We had Kendrick Sampson out of Los Angeles. We had Gunnar Carlson out of Minneapolis. And I was tired of listening to, reading, or watching the news and just seeing the madness reflected, not of law enforcement, but of largely law-abiding and certainly peaceful citizens gathered in these streets. So who better to speak than those who've been in the streets, not those of us who haven't uh, so much. 
And so handing the mic over felt like an important move in that episode. And that set up the defund the police, which if I had to pick a favorite, it's that one. Because so many people said, what does this mean? How can we do it? Do you just want crime to go rampant? And so if you're looking for that one episode that I think does the most work in this series, it is the defund the police episode. It is the one that explains the work that's been done to get to a point where we could talk about moving money around. Because when you're moving money, then you're moving power. And it still remains the case for me that knowledge of how much we spend on policing is what shook me the most. LA, 54% of our city budget going to policing. Most other cities, it's the number one budget outlay. And it covers mental health and all kinds of other services in a multiple. And so that defunding request demand comes in the context of an overfunding of police and an underfunding of social services. Um, And so being able to take you into the halls of power, to the room wherever it happens, I'm sorry for all these Hamilton references, it's gonna keep happening because that show is ear drugs and it's gotten to me and I blame the Mouse Corporation for reintroducing this into my life. I had banished those songs from my head and here I am quoting them back at you in my own show. That's how good Lin-Manuel was. So the defund the police episode though, to take you inside the LA City Council, hear the presentation of the people's budget. That was a very powerful moment for me. Uh, And then episode four, Derek Chauvin killed George Floyd. This was a different one. This was one that I don't think you maybe expected. I didn't expect to do a whole episode on language and grammar. You know, when I set out to like do this show about policing and race in America, grammar wasn't initially on the list. But uh, if you've heard that episode, you know more deeply why. If you haven't, make sure you catch up. Uh, I sat with Yadon Israel, who is a professor of creative writing, does a whole language barriers lecture series talking about the power of language. And this idea of the passive voice still haunts me. Notice how I put that in the active voice. I am not haunted by it. (laughs) The passive voice haunts me because we use it to alleviate responsibility. And the removal of objects in the sort of subject, verb, object, construct of a sentence, allowing for us to make statements like, George Floyd was killed. By whom, when, where, why? George Floyd is now the name that's in my head. What did he do to deserve to be killed? So I am forever indebted to and grateful to Yadon for that. And I know from a lot of the feedback that I've received that many of you had your minds equally blown. One of you did not. Uh, entirely have your minds blown. And I I got a really thoughtful piece of feedback from an English teacher who was like, yo, what about intransitive verbs though? (laughs) There's transitive verbs and there's intransitive verbs. And I feel like you're giving short shrift to the intransitive. There are some verbs which don't require a direct object to exist, right? I exist. I don't exist at something. I don't exist on something. I just exist. So I appreciate this teacher bringing this to the fore. I even spoke with Yadon about it. And that could be, maybe we'll do a bonus episode later on just to get back into it. But I thought uh, instead, let me save you some time and say that the value of that episode for me was in making visible what was so invisible, the power that we wield 
with our words and shifting real power in the real world. We have grammatically allowed law enforcement institutions and individuals to evade responsibility, to be erased from the narrative and from the way we talk about this. Sometimes in an attempt and with a desire to elevate the lives of those who have fallen, who have been killed, uh, of those taken from us to be more active about it. But other times, I, I don't think that that noble, that moral cause is quite enough to justify some of the harm I think we're doing when we say things like, Breonna Taylor was killed. Black people are vulnerable. So I, uh, not that sentences without objects don't also have value. I exist as a statement, as a sentence is very powerful. But the noticing that I'm finding in myself when an object is missing and when the voice used is passive just raises questions that I didn't ask before. And it's helped me elevate my game. So I still speak sometimes in the passive voice. Passive sentences fall out of my face sometimes. <laughs> and I do speak without direct objects. And I think those are worthy forms of expression. But I think in the era of life and death and racism and systemic racism and policing, our language has been a weapon as potent as the tear gas, as the rubber bullets, as the bayonets. And we don't often give credit to them and realize that we can disarm that part of this assault we've been living through as well. Um, and then episode five, uh, the penultimate episode, Hello, white people. Hello, world. Uh, a real joy to make and to celebrate the allyship, the camaraderie, the co-conspirator activities of folks who have long been on the sidelines of these events, of these opportunity to bend the moral arc of the universe toward justice. I try to take a generous attitude toward those who have shown up later to the struggle. I don't always do it, but it has been one of my goals with this show and in the work I do beyond to leave the door open to anyone to show up when they can, how they can, and let's grow from there. Selfishly, because I am not fully arrived either, you know, as a, a feminist, as someone who believes in gender equity, who's also a dude, <laughs> as someone who's got a relative amount of wealth in a world ravaged by poverty, as someone born in the 21st century with the benefits of the internet in a species that long was isolated from itself. I carry a lot of privileges into the life that I lead, and I never want to present as someone who's got it all sorted out. So if I want room for myself to grow, I want to try to offer that to someone else. And that was heavy. That sentiment was, was heavy in the spirit of episode five, Hello, White People. Uh, and then Hello, World, I needed to get overseas. Um, I still need to get overseas. I'm auditioning countries, New Zealand, Mauritius, even Germany after that last episode, even Europe, uh, because, you know, I speak some of these languages, might as well use my colonial <laughs> nature to, to my own benefit. But I wanted to take you with me to examine more deeply beyond a five-second clip on social media 
of a rally in Amsterdam or a rally in London or a rally in Berlin. Why is this happening? It's not just about us in the United States. There's something going on around the world that is about the world and where we're at with accountability and use of force and the denial of the role of racism in the history of the modern political and economic system. And so I have a, a lot of appreciation uh, for that episode, a lot of appreciation for Black Lives Matter Berlin and Diana Arce for giving me her time at 1, 2 a.m. In, in her world to break down some of what's been going on there and that moral superiority that uh, some of the Europeans like to wield over our heads, which they have earned in part because of the whole universal healthcare thing. I'm not going to not acknowledge that. Universal healthcare helps the racism go down. I stand by that. Uh, but we all also have work to do, and we're all on this journey. So whether we're white in America, wealthy in America, male on planet Earth, or evolved European in the 21st century, there's something left for us to do. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We're having a moment and we have done a few things with it. And I want to offer up a little slow clap, a little appreciation for the velocity and the momentum, the mass of effort. I think I just dropped a physics formula on you. Mass times velocity, is that not momentum? And we've had masses of people moving quickly to change this world. We have seen it in tangible efforts, various forms of police reform, bans on tear gas and chokeholds all over the United States. I looked this up because I had to double check and fact check myself. San Francisco Mayor London Breed directed the city's police department to ban the use of tear gas, tanks, and bayonets on unarmed civilians. I didn't know we were still rocking. I thought the revolution was done. So thank you, Mayor Breed. And also, why was that still a thing? Again, this moment has, has given us visibility into some of the atrocious practices that have been normal and been normalized, which we need to make not normal. So a lot of reforms, more body cameras, more transparency, more data collection. And that's been good. That's been good. More to the heart, we have seen the evolution of this effort to defund the police in Minneapolis, in Austin, in Los Angeles, in New York City. It's spreading. And not the simple act of taking money away from cops, but the more complicated act of talking about what are we asking of law enforcement and who are we not resourcing in our communities when we overburden this one job with such a limited set of tools. That's been a real mark of progress. And I don't expect that I'll wake up in a country next week where everybody's just like, yeah, defund the police. But I am happy to see people understanding the city budgets a bit more. And uh, so I really, I like the episode that we did on that. But more than that, I like what I'm seeing in the world with participatory budgeting, like the People's Budget LA. Big credit to them. And a lot of symbolic gestures, which I think still have value, especially when we talk about loser Confederate statues, <laughs> when we talk about the elevation of the lost cause, right there in the title, the cause that lost, but we're going to persist in promoting it. And so it's, it is with shock and welcome that NASCAR banned the use of the Confederate flag. I didn't know you could have a NASCAR event without the Confederate flag. And and here we are. Uh, when you see statues being taken down, when you see people taking statues down, when you see governors and other folks in positions of elected power say, you know what? We don't need to elevate this false narrative. I like seeing it, and I don't think it's just symbolic. And even if it is, symbols matter because we take our cues from those symbols. Somebody asked me in one of the speaking events I was doing recently, like, what do you think about? the counter-argument, and we haven't spent a lot of time with counter-arguments in this series, 
What do you think of the counter argument that you're erasing history when you take down these Confederate statues? And I say that that thought, the thought that removing Confederate statues is erasing history, is proof of how twisted we are. The erecting of those statues was the historic erasure. We ended slavery. We had reconstruction. We had black wealth all over the South in this country, black legislators, universal education. We had all these things. And someone took them away. Terrorist activities from the Ku Klux Klan in cahoots with law enforcement took that away. People who were afraid of losing ill-gotten power took that away. And to ensure that intimidation lasted, they erected these statues well after the Civil War to stoke fear, to stoke terror, to create a false story around that war and those people. Putting the statues up was the erasure and the lie. Taking them down is getting us closer to the truth. I so love seeing us move these. And they can go somewhere else. They can go in maybe the bottom of a river. That's a nice place for future, you know, scuba diving expeditions or in a museum. They can go in a museum where we preserve historic artifacts that we deem noteworthy and knowledge worthy, but not necessarily to be celebrated. That's the, there's a big difference there. So I, I like seeing the Confederate statues come down. I like seeing these company commitments. A lot of companies getting on the bandwagon, getting on the Black Lives Matter bandwagon. I don't, I don't know if you caught the BET Awards this year. Every commercial was hella black. Like it was the blackity blackest commercial, except for DSW shoes. They just ran their typical commercial. They're like, yo, black people need shoes. White people need shoes. Everybody needs shoes. Maybe to march, maybe to run from the cops. Who are we to judge? Let's just sell these shoes. But other than that, everybody's been trying to make a statement about how they stand with Black Lives Matter. And even that is some kind of progress because it is now safe to say Black Lives Matter. It is so safe that the National Basketball Administration has approved 13 statements of protest to exist on the jerseys of its players. Now, that's awkward to say out loud that the team owners have approved their players to protest with specific phrases, maybe not quite getting the whole spirit of protest. But one of those statements is Black Lives Matter. We have gotten to a stage where that's okay. And that is progress. And that is in a summer because we're in a moment. The favorability ratings for the phrase Black Lives Matter have grown significantly over the past seven years. You got Mitt Romney out in these streets saying it, you know it's a bit safer to do nowadays. And the polling even around policing, the number of people who think that excessive force is a problem, that racism in policing is a problem, is growing. The number of people who are demanding some form of real reform, from transparency to data collection, to banning chokeholds and bayonets, look, I'll take my progress where I can, is growing. Hold on to that, because that stuff matters, and we've got to build on that. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. 
There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Work remains to be done at the federal level. I know our White House and our Senate-Congress interaction are not what we would want them to be, to put it mildly. But there's another space where this work is happening, and it doesn't get all the headlines, but I think it's happening in you right now. Because I've heard from you or someone like you, because it's happening in me even as I make this show. We're talking about these issues and these topics in a different way. We're acknowledging the persistence and the gravity and the scale of systemic racism in a more persistent way. And we're doing it at home and we're doing it at work and we're doing it in Zoom, which passes for school or work. And that's that's different, people taking it personally, people trying to own it, sometimes sloppily, but that's okay. Progress is messy too. And so the more we can continue that, ask ourselves the hard questions, how we can be more anti-racist, how we can contribute actively beyond statements, those statements can help. That's how we'll maintain this moment. 
for me, there's a, a takeaway from all this, which is less about specific reforms and legislative bills. There's this inspiring reminder that it's us. That all of this, all of this, it's just us. It's just us deciding this is how we're going to talk. This is how we're going to spend. This is how we're going to show love and respect. This is how we're going to hold to account. That's up to us. That's up to people. And in this moment, the one that I made a whole podcast series about that we're having, that whole list of progress, all the changes of perception, the defund movements, the political and police reform efforts, all that has happened in a moment where we don't even have a president. We don't have a functioning executive atop our federal government apparatus. I don't say that to be cheeky. The person who occupies this office right now is so uninterested in actually governing. It's terrifying and it's costly in lives because coronavirus is real, whether you wish it away or not. And yet, in this most grotesque dereliction of duty under which we live, we're still getting things done. We're still moving forward. We're still growing and challenging and pushing. Yo, imagine what we could do with a president. Imagine what we could do with a government. In a democracy, we have that opportunity. So I want you to realize and remember and love this dichotomy that the leadership that we lack in the White House right now, we have it. We have it in the streets. We have it in the city councils. We have it in the Zooms and in our homes. And that's just dope. Because that puts it back on us. The ball is in our court. That's where I'm planning on going next. Not exactly with this show, but with you, for sure. I mentioned earlier John Lewis, who is no longer with us. And yet I feel so grateful that we got so much of him, 80 years of him, the evolution of him, the commitment and persistence of him. He embodies so much of what we should strive to. They should make statues out of him. You know, that's a pretty universally agreeable request, I think. Let's get a John Lewis statue for every Confederate statue. There is a John Lewis or someone like him who is deserving of praise. But where I want to go next, where I am going next with you, is this. Wham, my friendly, affectionate name for we're having a moment, was just about acknowledging that we're in a moment. The question now is, what are we going to do with the moment? What are we going to do with this gift that we've been given, with all its pain and all its awkwardness, but all its potential? What are we going to do to build on this? So. I'm doing that next. And when I say I'm doing that, I don't mean like vaguely, like there's another show coming. There was another show coming and you're among the first people to hear about it that are not producers on the show. It is about this whole self-government thing. It's about us, not just what's broken in our systems, but how we can mend it. How to Citizen with Baratunde. That's the show. 
where we reimagine and reclaim this term citizen, not to be a weapon used by those who would distract us and distance us based on a documentation status, but rather reinterpret, reclaim the word citizen as a verb, open to the participation of all of us, where we remember how to wield our collective power to do all of this for all of us, not just for the few. And that show is not a series of essays, right? It's not my little Federalist Papers experiment. We will have guests who are doing this work, showing us a way. I will be there with you, and you will be there too, because we're inviting you into the process. So I want you to do this. I want you to stay with me for this journey. I literally can't do it alone. To do a citizen democracy show alone is very authoritarian, and that's not a good look. So we're going to make this together. Hit me up on text, 202-894-8844. Again, throw WHAM in there, W-H-A-M, so I know how you found me. Or go to my website, baratunde.com, and join the mailing list, because there'll be more coming. I'm going to ask you your thoughts. I'm going to put you in the show the same way I put Gunnar Carlson in episode two of this show, the protest episode. That might be you in a future episode on how we're rebuilding our economy, rebuilding our health system, rebuilding our food system. Rebuilding the way we vote and vote we must, plus a whole lot more. Join me for that. Let us do it. Let's put we above me. Let's put us above I. Let's do this collectively. It has been a privilege and a pleasure to help be your guide through this moment, such as it has been and it will continue to be. I'll see you on the other side. We'll drop an episode here when it's live so you won't miss it. Stay subscribed. And let me know, let us know what you thought of this show. Things you wish we had done that we didn't get to, we might find a way to do in the next show with you. We got this, y'all. I'm Baratunde Thurston. And we are having a moment. Now let's make the most of it. We're Having a Moment is a production of iHeartRadio Podcasts. Executive produced by Miles Gray, Nick Stumpf, and Baratunde Thurston. Produced by Joelle Smith and Elizabeth Stewart. Edited by Justin Smith. Music by Aloe Black. You can find my email newsletter and a lot more at baratunde.com. If you do the social things, find me on Instagram at baratunde. And if you like text messaging, well, send me one. That's right, you can text me right now. 202-894-8844. Just put the text WHAM WHAM in the message. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. 
we went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.